Hello, everyone, and welcome to Journey to Success Radio, a show featuring people and companies who are making a positive contribution to the world. This show will help you learn how to apply success principles in every area of your life so that you can make the most out of your skills and talents and accomplish more of your goals. To find out more about the show, please visit www.journeytosuccessradio.com. Hello, I want to welcome everyone to Journey to Success Radio Show. I want to special uh, I want to say a special thanks out to Tom Tutal Cunningham for allowing us to sit behind the mic today. Uh, we have an exciting show for you. My name is Chuck Bellina. I'm a personal development coach, and I work with Jim Shorty here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Our company is co- called Results from Thinking. Our goal is to help you become a better you. We do that by educating people on the power of their thoughts, helping them close the gap between the goals they want and the results they achieve. I'm on air with uh, my co-host, Brad Zollis. Uh Brad, uh, how about you introduce yourself? Thank you, Chuck. Uh, it's an honor uh, once again to be co-hosting here on Journeys to Success. For those of you who do not know who I am, my name is Brad Zalas. I am the award-winning author of Liquid Leadership. And what does that mean? I basically help companies uh, in their learning and development space, and I show them how to do a cross-generational way of managing. Uh, in other words, I help you with millennials. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm excited today because some of the work that you and I both do, Chuck, um, really aligns with Augmentino's uh, work here. So I'm, I'm just going to kick off and go right into Paul's uh, bio. Uh, Paul Blanchard is the president of the Augmentino Group and acting director of the Augmentino Leadership Institute. Paul used real estate investing to launch into entrepreneurship in 2006 and has spent the last 11 years as a professional speaker, corporate trainer, business leader, and coach. Before joining the Augmentino team, Paul was the director of the Jack Welch Management Institute working with one of the most iconic CEOs in history, building a renowned executive MBA program. With diverse experience and proprietary principles and tools, Paul offers battle-tested insight, guidance, and impact to your personal, business, and organizational journey. Please welcome Paul Blanchard to the show. Thank you. It sounds fantastic when you say those things. I, I appreciate the opportunity to be here with you guys. <laughs> Thank you. So let's dig in. You you had an amazing career, and I, I've looked up Augmentino, and i got to be honest with you, this is kind of a, a little bit mind-blowing to me, and I'm, I'm sure Chuck would agree. Uh, all the, the uh, analysis and the behavioral studies that are going on now um, – Og was ahead of his time with with all of this. Uh, and do you want to talk a little bit about that? What were some of the lessons Og uh, taught us nearly 50 years ago that ring true today? Absolutely. I'd, I'd be very happy to. So we're, we're just on the eve of the 50-year anniversary of The Greatest Salesman in the World, which was one of the greatest personal development books ever written, the second best-selling Absolutely. personal development book of, of all time. And Og wrote it in, in 1967, and then it was published in, in 1968. And, and that's really what we have been in awe of as the official Augmentino company and carrying this into the 21st century is looking at what he was writing about poetically 50 years ago 
and intuitively that has been validated through neuroscience and physiology and, and incredible things, even just in the last decade, has been really, really fun to watch. Now, not everybody knows this. I mean, 50 million people are, are familiar with the, the greatest salesmen in the world that have actually acquired the book, let alone those that have passed them on to, to other people. But not everybody knows that Og actually wrote it in one night, the 10 scrolls. He, he had the story of, of Hafid, the camel boy, um, who wanted to become the greatest salesman. Then he had the end of the story about Hafid, but he got stuck on what he set himself up for of needing to write about the, the wisdom of the ages and this gaping hole in the book of what on earth am I going to fill this with? And having what we would call today's writer's block, he finally went into his, his den and started writing in the evening and wrote all through the night, came out, put the manuscript down that he had just typed on his selectric typewriter and told Betty, his wife, I'm done. It's finished. There were a few changes primarily to scroll two just from some vocabulary things for the for the typical reader to be able to absorb, but that was it. So you think about that, and then you think about what's been validated to this day. It's it's pretty crazy, pretty awe-inspiring to think about Og talking about right there in scroll one, talking about this other mind that makes us act in ways we don't comprehend and never sleeps. And we learn today about our subconscious. We learn today about, uh, Chuck, about what you were talking about with focusing on thoughts and how that's so critical that we realize today, as Og was talking about just beautifully in the 10 scrolls, about the fact that we're metacognitive. I mean, we're the only creatures on this earth that can step back from our own thoughts and think about them. We can be the observers of our own lives. And, and what he was talking about and how that is where success is dictated. That is where habits are planted, the seeds, the furrows of success, as he called them, are planted in those areas, our thinking habits, and learning to dive into those. And then he gave us just this beautiful formula um, of being able to take life on, and not just from a soft skills kind of approach, but the things we learn about, for example, mirror neurons, which are these neurons, these, these electronic interactions that happen in our prefrontal cortex, where Og talked about bringing uh, gloom and pessimism and darkness to the marketplace, it will react with gloom and pessimism and darkness. But if we bring our positivity and our energy, it'll, it'll respond with that as well. I mean, you're talking about a direct reference to mirror neurons that weren't discovered until the last few decades um, of where there's, there's actually a, a firing in our prefrontal cortex, where we get a feeling about someone else before we even have a conscious thought about them. And we start realizing the impact that being real, genuine, authentic can actually have. And this was this was 50 years ago, guys. I mean, we could talk about this all day from scroll one of, of deciding to begin a new life and realizing what a pursuit of success actually means, all the way up to scroll nine of it's, it's time to get to work. You can talk about principles all day long, but if you don't act now, none of it matters. And then just beautiful things in between all of that is just incredible. You are absolutely right, uh, Paul. And the fact that this is time-tested, it's 50 years old, and um, it's amazing. It, it, it's amazing how it's so solid, and a lot of people don't understand the power this has over their day-to-day -day lives. And, and how the results that they get can be so much better if they just understood this 
and took action and, and changed their thought process, their, that subconscious element you were talking about. I have had the opportunity. I have been all over Augmentino's website. You guys have an incredible website. And just to clarify, Paul, I don't want to uh, misspeak. Can you give us the website for the uh, listening audience? Absolutely. It's www.augmandino.com. Just simply augmandino.com. Wonderful. And I have taken, you have an assessment online. Mm-hmm. It's a free assessment. And I have taken that assessment and I have a master's in counseling and I've done a lot of assessment. I am blown away by the results of that assessment. And <laughs> I have, uh, I had the privilege of uh, speaking live with one of your coaches online about my results. And it was just on, I was just amazed at what we discovered and what uh, came out of that test. So uh, I thank you for having that on there, and I encourage listeners to go to your website and look at that. So I have a question for you, Paul. You have There's a lot of entrepreneurs out there today, a lot of millennials, a lot of people who are sort of focused on, you know, actions and things that they're doing, and, and they're in charge and they're in control. But this material goes back 50 years. What With the material that you work with and understand, what are some of the challenges that entrepreneurs today face and how can this information really help them just take it to the next level? Great question. I, I love that you had you had mentioned the assessment right before that because when we when we decided to create the official Augmandino company, which actually started based on wanting to create the film for the greatest salesman in the world, and we so we acquired the rights to to be able to do that, and then it blossomed from there to creating the official Augmandino company for coaching and training. We spent the first two or three years creating training programs. We hired some of the the top elite uh, consultants and coaches from the National Speakers Association and, and other areas to help us create a, a program that we could launch into the marketplace. And it just wasn't gaining traction. It was, it was an Augmentino branded version of a lot of the stuff that was out there that people were kind of becoming numb to. And so in, in 2003, we said, time out, time out. It, it's time to figure out measurement first. We, how do we measure what Og was talking about 50 years ago in, in one of the greatest pieces of literature ever written that just go, it just totally changed the paradigm of the way people thought about developing themselves. And so we found it. We, we found it at the University of Tennessee at the Hartman Institute, and we discovered a science. Um, if you want a mouthful, it's Cantor's transfinite calculus, the, the concept of infinitudes and axiological mathematics. <laughs> so it, it's, a, <laughs> right. Um, that, that'll get you some points on Scrabble. But uh, it, in terms of what's behind the assessment, it's important to, to bring that up for, for, for people because when they take the assessment, like you experienced, they start feeling like it's voodoo and, and tea leaves. Like, how did you know that about me? Um, I did a, a an interview uh, a, a little over a year ago for Bleacher Report because the work we do with professional athletes, and I wouldn't take the interview unless he took our assessment because I wanted to weave some of his results into the answers. And and I told I, so I did that, and he said, Paul, I I felt like you were reading my palm, and I made very clear we I wasn't reading what you, what you were thinking, just how you think. And so 2003, we created the intentional creation assessment. This allowed us to measure the way people are thinking as accurately as a thermometer measures the temperature outside. It, it's a completely objective measurement of your thought processes, not because a committee said this is what it is or because of some kind of normative evaluation or a personality test, all of which are phenomenal tools. This is below the surface of all that. 
And what that's done is allowed us to understand a little bit differently what, what you were asking about. And that is that what's really going on? What are some of the common themes and challenges for entrepreneurs today based on practically a molecular level, based on the way that they're actually thinking? And we discovered some incredible things. One, that we probably talk about just about more than anything, just because it's been such a hot topic for quite some time, is what we would call the gift of vivid visualization. We've found in the work we've done with over 80,000 entrepreneurs ourselves and hundreds of thousands of hours of research that about 96% of entrepreneurs are what we would call a vivid visionary. They have a very overactive thought process. And it's in that first section of the assessment that you took called mental creation, where we're measuring your thought processes around the vision and the direction for your life. It is an overactive or overfocused thought process that allows someone to effortlessly go places in their mind of daydreaming or thinking about or thinking big, as people would call it, and, and, and imagining what life will be like when. And a tremendous gift. And one of the, the most incredible transcendent platforms you want to be on to create passion. And passion is, is what it's all about. Passion's the gift we're given to do the work. It's, it's a willingness to, to suffer for something we love, if, if you want to really define it. And we do that by creating the vision first and then getting to work. One of the things we found, though, and this was kind of tough to figure out for a while, was that it ended up turning out that 98% of the people with this gift, so 98% of the 96%, had a tendency, just a proclivity to use it destructively. And... and you, it's like Dr. Evil. That's yeah. what I'm hearing. <laughs> right? And, and it, it's amazing. It's, it's like nuclear power. It, it could be used right. to power a city with no emissions. It could also be used to level that city. So this amazing right. gift we discovered of, of vivid visualization that the majority of entrepreneurs, and when I say entrepreneurs, I mean entrepreneurially minded. We, we've never defined right. our, our audience as the vocation of entrepreneur as much as the mindset. And that they've got this gift to vividly visualize. However, most of them are using it to unconsciously, usually, to fantasize. Meaning, there's creating a vision and coming back to work in reality in the now, passion driven. However, the tendency is to think about what it will be like when. And when we do that, we run some tremendous risks of getting excited and enthusiastic. But a couple of days later, bam, just hit this wall. And the days crawl and the mundane tasks seem especially mundane. And we wanted to right. solve this puzzle. You've got, you've got popular things coming out. I'm, I'm not going to name any of them that, that talk about dream boards and, and vivid visualization as we were able to define it. And it's such a powerful principle. But also we discovered that the risk is not being talked about and it is ravishing people. It is leaving people broke and broken and angry. And then, and then the answer is, well, you just need to visualize with more intention and, and, and you just need to see it more clearly and then it makes it worse. And so we've been able to spend some really good time the last several years being able to identify the risk factors, be able to identify the principles that drive it into a destructive use and teach someone how to become more conscious of it and use it constructively. That's been a huge piece for entrepreneurs because entrepreneurs are the creators. They are the, the, the ones that are outside the box. 
And if they're going to get lost outside that box and not actually get a chance to create it, we don't want to live in a world like that. And so to be able to, to focus on teaching someone how to create those things on purpose and avoid what we found is 98% of the people that are at risk of having it, you know, counteract them. That's been an amazing discovery. Wow. Paul, I am really blown away by some of the work that you do. And I've founded over eight corporations. And I have to tell you, there's you hit the nail on the head. It, it can be frustrating. It can make you angry. You can have success and then failure. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about millennials. That's the generation I really try to help everybody understand. They are, for lack of a better word, uh, they're driven by that entrepreneurial spirit, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to leave the companies that they're working in. In other words, they they think like an entrepreneur, but they may stay there. And uh, do you have anything to say about that? Because I think your assessment tool is right up their alley because they love technology. They love all these these ways of getting around and doing things. Um, this would be incredibly powerful for millennials. Absolutely. The, the only thing that comes close to matching our passion for the entrepreneur, if you will, the classic entrepreneur is the passion for the companies that want an entrepreneurial culture. And that Ooh, is nice. playing right into the millennial phase that, that we're experiencing. Because I, I talked about some of the things that we've discovered over the last 15 years, the last 14 years or so, with over 80,000 people that we've studied closely and intensely in the in the assessment with these measurements. And we found tendencies that were that were completely isolated to the entrepreneur type mindset. And as we've gotten more uh, exposure to the millennial generation, we've found that, that the same gifts that are usually isolated to the entrepreneurial segment of, of the world are actually completely almost always there for every millennial. So the the gifts of the the creativity, the very active, brilliant mind, the the ability to to see so much more than just what's right extrinsically in front of us, and, and a number of other things, are are actually almost practically across the board for for this millennial generation. Whereas in in wow. times past, it was more for those who were driven to fire their boss and and start their own company kind of kind of people, <laughs> the risk takers. So that was first a huge intrigue to go, wow, like that's because we know those strengths, but we also know the risks. And so you think about uh, millennials and you hit it right on the head, just nailed it, that they want to be entrepreneurial, but they, they love being part of an organization. They, they're not driven by profit like some of past generations have been. They're, they're driven by profit that is, has the companion of purpose. They want profit that has meaning to it. Um, you've got a lot of socially conscious causes and a lot of different evolutions because of that natural thought process. And they find themselves wanting to be a part of a team and a company, whereas in the past it was, you know, I'm out of here. I'm going to go start my own thing having these kinds of gifts. And they're also incredibly misunderstood. I'm sure you're very familiar with this as this being a, a focus oh, yeah. for you. I mean, how much longer are we going to keep writing them off as entitled versus actually finding, be able to understand what that actually means? Because entitled, in my opinion, I don't mean to be too abrasive. It's a cop-out. 
to say that the millennial generation is entitled, you lose an opportunity to find out some incredible things about this upcoming generation and, and the companies that are willing to embrace these principles that support these these entrepreneurs or intrapreneurs, as I've heard them called, of these millennials <laughs> that want profit with a purpose and to stay in an organization, but they want to feel like they are an owner in that organization, whether they're an actual stakeholder or not on paper, they want to feel that the companies that are starting to realize this and not see them as entitled brats are harnessing what they can do. And they're the companies that are making waves in some incredible ways. That makes a lot of sense. I love, I love the uh, profit with a purpose. I think I have a little millennial inside of me. Um, <laughs> I like that phrase. I wrote it down. Profit with a purpose. Um, I need to ask you a question, Paul. Um, I've been doing a lot of work with uh, a friend of mine in a school setting, high school setting, and with my youth group at my church. And I'm learning and seeing that these kids are struggling with who they are and what they're capable of and the limitations placed upon them and what they do with themselves. What's the youngest age that you've introduced this information to? And I got to be honest, I don't see anywhere else that this is being taught to the to the young folks on, you know, who they are and what they're capable of doing. I mean, that it, it almost appears like they have to go through a lot just to come out on the other side and realize that they're a lot more capable than society has said they are uh, just to get ahead. And they got, they got a huge wall ahead of them. And your information needs to be at the, at the starting point for all these young kids, the lobe millennials. Indeed, we have we have some very specific programs for junior high age kids and high school age kids. And that's about the point you want to start introducing them. We don't use the assessment on them that we have that's generally 18 years and older. Uh, I've had a few clients who have had kids that were exceptionally mature and, and I, I had them take the assessment, but we don't want to put too much weight on that um, uh, going in more as an exploration, not as a scientific measurement at that point but it's it's been really fun to do but we actually have have done quite a bit of focus on the youth within the schools and on the teachers that are on the front lines of impacting those um those children to to start to implement the principles cuz not only did we find a way to measure what aug was teaching us but we had a we found a way to be able to put math and science behind it so it didn't have to be an ethical or a moral dilemma or, or argument as to proving the point. When, when you took the assessment and, and you noticed there were no questions, you simply ranked these words and phrases, you're ranking them based on what you felt was best and what was worst. Well, no one decided right. what that order was, except for mathematics. Mathematics determined the order of those words and phrases. And we don't have the hours that it would take to go into how that was built and created and, and what's behind the curtain of that. Um, but, but really understanding that we're able to extract that, those values because of those mathematics and couple them with Aug's principles, couple them with what we've discovered over the last 15, 16 years, and teach the basic infrastructure of, of why caring about people really matters and how structure and discipline are there to support you, not to control you, and, and how to find intrinsic drive and motivation and passion for the dreams you want to create how it's it's not bad if you want a a fancy car and a big house but it's more important to understand why you want those things 
and and more important to understand that that the person is never going to be less important than the result but how understanding that and implementing it appropriately actually turns the result into the natural outcome you wanted to get anyway and and how to start finding joy in the journey not joy from the journey um all these things teaching them to seventh eighth ninth graders and beyond I mean, I'll tell you, Brad, one of the most profound conversations I've had uh, was with a youth group that I had the opportunity to, to teach a, a year and a half ago. And we sat in a room and I wanted to eliminate distractions. So I put aluminum foil over all the windows and stuff. So it was pitch black in the room. And, uh, and I just asked them, these were 15, 16 year olds. And it just, I had a lesson I wanted to focus on, but I just stopped at the beginning. I said, I just feel impressed to ask this. I said, what are the hardest things about being you right now? And I just shut up. And no one said anything for a few minutes. Awkward silence. I was good with it. But as soon as they started to realize that this was a safe place, that they couldn't see each other's faces, so they couldn't wonder who was looking at who and what they were thinking about what they would say, slowly, one by one, they started to open up. And they started to be real. And, and I'll tell you what, the capacity of these, of these young, young people blows me away. I mean, I, I don't mean this as an indictment. I just, I hope that people can take it into their hearts as discovery, but I, I don't think the gap between parents being able to relate to their children has ever been as big as it is right now. Because these young people have incredible capacity. They're exposed to inordinate amount of, of things that took us till we were 30 years old to experience in our lives. They experienced by the time they're seven, you know, on their iPad or whatever. You're but right. they don't have the actual life experience to be able to process it. And so right. really poor assumptions about entitlement, poor assumptions about you just don't know what's good for you or whatever are, are more damaging now than ever because they have the capacity to think on these levels that if people would just listen to them without trying to fix them and listen to them to understand them, like it happened in that dark room a year and a half ago, Man, the the impact that we're going to be able to have on them and and the reciprocity of the impact they'll have on this world, it, it would be unbelievable to see that movement start to get embraced. All right, All right, wow. All I can say is wow. That's an amazing <laughs> exercise. That's a very powerful exercise because I agree with you. I think young people today, whether it's Gen X, even uh, millennials, and Generation Z. Um, they've really gotten a bum rap as far as being labeled and stereotyped. And, you know, with with my research, I've, I've noticed that um, the behavior is different. But the reason for the behavior is very profound. And I think you've discovered it. Um, they are deep. They are complex. And uh, maybe you can talk a little bit about this, Paul, but I've been in a lot of organizations where they're in desperation they are actually grabbing on to Myers-Briggs and DISC assessments and all this because they see the entrepreneurship and the way these younger people operate. They see frustration in some of the other generations. So out of desperation, they're using these tools to hire better. But I think your tool, the Augmentino, and, and I'll do this, axiological mathematics. Nailed <laughs> Did I get it. that right? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think this is, so much better because um, people can find their purpose uh, at a much deeper and greater level. 
So a couple of things about that, Brad, and I, I love the point that you made. And I'm really glad you made it so that I didn't have to, because like when I worked for, for Jack Welch and we created what is now one of the top 25 executive MBAs in the world, we implemented, we put DISC into the curriculum. It was, it was a part of the organizational discussion in a few of the MBA classes. And I love the DISC. I love Myers-Briggs. I love Strength Finders. I'm, I'm a big fan of assessments and I don't have a mine's better than yours kind of <laughs> feeling about <laughs> ours, but they are different. And I love the DISC for academic discussion. I would have a hard time running a team with it. Because having to remember, like visualizing the letters that they are on their forehead as I'm walking around the office, <laughs> trying to figure out, okay, here's how I should talk to this person. And here's how I should talk to that person. That's really tough to manage. Um, there are people that do so quite successfully and, and more power to them. But when you can get below the surface of all that. For example, you can have 10 people take the disc and they may all be a high D mid I, which I, I believe is kind of where I'm at. And and have them take our assessment. They're all going to have very different thought processes that are driving right. that personality. And if it's unhealthy thought processes driving some of the elements of their D and some of them are healthy, understanding that's gonna make a huge difference, but it's also allowed us to get to a level where we can actually start to manage human beings, not personalities, not employees, but we can find the core intrinsic principles that will connect us all. And being able to do that changes something really important about hiring. And that is what I think a lot of people overlook. Everybody's looking for the tools, the gizmos, the automation that will help their hiring. At the end of the day, hiring a human being is the same thing as everything else you do with a human being. And it is about the connection you create. Because all of us have a wall of resistance. It is scientifically measured that the average human being in a non-adversarial relationship withholds 40%, non-adversarial, not every boss would describe their, their, their uh, direct reports as non-adversarial to them, but in a non-adversarial, 40% of their productivity and cooperation is withheld. This is measured. And there's a wall of resistance that they hold this behind. And until that wall comes down, they don't release that 40% or more. And the only way that wall comes down is for them to feel understood. And you go into a job interview, they've just dressed up the wall. They're still withholding their reserve and they still will after they work for you, no matter how good they are. And there's still this reserve. But when you step in and create true connection, the first thing we coach any organization, any person on are the true laws of connecting with people from a scientific level to a principle-based level and marrying those in between to make sure they can actually happen properly and can be duplicated. And that's what changes the interview is the connection. Like our assessment will never be used for a selection tool. And everyone's looking for a selection tool. Why? Are yeah. you looking to hire a, a gizmo or a human being? Do you, want, do you want a system or do you want a person? Because a person is going to be in, infinitely more valuable. Um, and so if you want a tool that's going to a, a systemic tool or an extrinsic tool, that's going to quantify an intrinsic person. Good luck with that. But if you want a tool yeah. that's going to create an intrinsic connection with that intrinsic person, you now can see the way that they're thinking. And that doesn't change your selection. That changes the conversation. It changes the actual job interview itself that it seems more and more companies are trying to get away from and using tools and automation to be able to qualify the people on some scale or metric or or whatever 
and then they usually dismiss them six months later based on some scale or metric. Well, I I can tell you an experience that one of our one of our uh, affiliates had recently, where she went into an interview with someone that was going to take over a large territory who had never been doing who had never been a director of sales of a of a territory in this industry. However, it created some incredible things. She had her take our assessment and then sat down with her and started talking with her. And she's sitting there interviewing her just like she would normally interview everyone, except now she has context to her questions. She's not just asking, you know, I mean, Brad, all of us have our unique way of asking what are your weaknesses, you know, or (laughs) there's only so many different ways you can do that. And as she's assessing this, she's looking at the measurements that's provided and she's going, wow, these don't line up. What I'm being presented here in this job interview does not line up with the way this, this assessment came out and the way she thinks. Either she's, she's on her best behavior right now, not being fake, just on her best behavior, and looking at this assessment, that's not going to be able to be sustained. So she stopped the interview and said, I love what you're saying, saying all the right things. You've got great energy, but it's not lining up with what I see here. And the lady paused and said, well, you know what? What? What I haven't told you is that I was a, an Iranian refugee as a child. And I, I watched my brother get shot dead in that experience. My parents passed away. They wouldn't let us out to go see them. And then finally we escaped and, and, and I got to America. And I have been driven by living for my brother and my parents my entire life and feeling guilty that I was the one who got away. And it explained almost wow. every measurement that she was looking at. Now, for the HR people freaking out, she did not ask for that. She did not solicit that personal information, but she created a connection. And it's funny because she's this lady's going to have her ups and downs, but I guarantee you they get to go back to that depth of connection every time they have an evaluation, every time she has something she thinks she can improve on, every time she asks her what, what, what I can do to improve for you as a leader. Because how many leaders, Brad, out there are blinded by compliance thinking that it's actually commitment and it's it's not Uh, and and it created a connection and that's that's what can happen why are we getting away from creating a connection with someone we want to be connected to our company and trying to just find these hot tools and sexy processes for for (laughs) selecting people Uh, chuck's gonna take over in a second but i just want to finish that thought and that is it's this struggle between obedience of a worker and getting innovation out of a person Hmm. and and having them live the life they want. You know, that's the fight right there. So, sorry, Chuck. uh, Take Oh, no, and you're right. Um, A lot of people are afraid to fail, and you want to put your best foot forward and be that stellar employee, but you don't – you hesitate. You second-guess, possibly, and, and you don't truly show who you are. But if you think back through your life, the people that you've been with for a very long time, they they are true to you. You have a true connection with them through and through, and you can see the power of the relationship, and the, and you know what they're capable of. But unfortunately, you can't find that with a brand-new candidate in front of you because that's not what they want to show. That's, that's not what they think you want to see. Mm-hmm. But then that's where real talent and uh, opportunity comes about and, and results. I mean, you know, if someone's – uninhibited and they can be and do what they're capable of doing without fear of, you know, being sliced the next week. Um, they're going to be powerful in front, you know, in that position. So um, you are right. True connection, um, Paul, is uh, really what's needed. And 
Uh, I, I, and, again, going back to that assessment, I had just blown away. And, um, Brad, I don't know if you had a chance to take that. Don't be fooled by the appearance of the simplicity it looks. Um, I was kind of caught off guard. I'm like, seriously, this is all I need to do? But then uh, I've, I've actually referred a number of people. They need to go take this test. It's unbelievable. So those who are listening to us today, I hope you're enjoying the conversation. You need to go to www.augmandino.com and take a look at their website. Take a look at this, this assessment. And uh, and then take the opportunity for one of the Augmandino's coaches to talk to you and, and eva- you know, go over the evaluation and, and so you can better understand what you're seeing. And uh, it's powerful. It truly is powerful, Paul. Thank you for having that, that out there. I love that you said that, Chuck, because we designed it aesthetically to look similar to other assessments just so it'd be relatable and 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 comfortable to look at. But like you were saying, when, when you pull it up, you're looking at 6.4 quadrillion variables of information. Uh, <laughs> oh we present that in a really basic way just to, just to introduce you to what's starting to be revealed <laughs> in these measurements. And then it, you get on the phone like you draw our people and it just goes to the next level, right? Oh, yeah. It's, it's almost like you drop a 100-piece puzzle in front of me and tell me to put it together. I'm like, really? Seriously? You just know it is? And, <laughs> and then it just opens up the door to who you are. And, uh, yeah, it, it, truly, it truly is powerful. It's an incredible, uh, incredible tool that you have um, in your arsenal, Paul. I love it. I really do. Um, and I, and I, I, going back to the scrolls, um, I have read through the scrolls, but I haven't followed what Augmandino tells you on how to read the scrolls. Uh, but I have them uh, at my desk uh, on the ready. But um, I have a couple other uh, readings that I'm doing right now that I just can only take on so much. But uh, I love what it does say. And that's another thing that I'm going to start for the next 10 months. I'm going to read the 10 scrolls. Um, Paul, what's the latest? Uh, anything new with Augmandino and, and what you guys are doing outside of what we've already talked about? Oof. Great question. I've got a I've got a big one for you if you guys haven't heard it yet. But before I do, you said something just a couple minutes that just rang in my ear, especially because we were just talking about this very topic at our summit a couple of weeks ago. You said people are afraid to fail. And mm-hmm. one of the biggest things that I've been running into with a lot of my clients and a lot of the people that we work with is that that's actually oftentimes a fallacy. It's, it's the words that we use so that we can quantify what we're feeling because it's, it's the closest thing we can grab onto. Oh, I'm afraid to fail. Well, from our assessment and what we've seen and what we understand about the way the brain works, it, it avoids what it's afraid of. And so unless you're experiencing boundless amounts of success and you're unstoppable, likely you're not afraid of failure as much as you are actually afraid of success. And what I mean by that is how many of us have had one of those days where we were just on, it felt so good, fulfilled. We were just hitting on all cylinders. But then at some point at the end of the day or the next day, we went sometimes even unconsciously, that's what it takes. Oh crap. (laughs) I have to do that every day to be successful. So we start sabotaging ourselves. We start adding to our reserve of what we're holding back. And, and, and then we chalk it up to, I'm just afraid of failure. I'm afraid of rejection. Well, it, it may be that you're actually afraid of what it's going to take to be successful on a, on a very conscious and unconscious level. But here's the, right. here's the good news. What your brain is doing is comparing your current capacity to doing that day every day for the rest of your life. 
it's it's imagine what it would be like to have to do that every day for the next year based on your current capacity. What we don't ever get totally conscious about is the fact that if we did that every day for the next year, it would feel like the norm. That would be our new status quo. And that's the crux of of personal development is it's I've heard this before. Personal development is a choice. It, it's not. It's choices and perpetual, unlimited choices. Am I going to make a better decision now than I would have otherwise? Or am I going to make a bad decision? And as soon as you make that decision, guess what? You're right in front of the next decision and the next right. decision and the next decision. And you do that understanding that like what Og was talking about, that one step at a time is not that hard one swipe of the blade to bring down that mighty oak with having the conscious awareness that it's not about how our mind can run to a, a year from now and what, what it would feel like to have to do this every day because our mind doesn't take into account how much more natural it will feel a year from now to be able to maintain a different person. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So sorry for the caveat. You just, I just, I love, no, that, I love that you brought that up because I hear it all the time. And, uh, and it's that shift is really helping a lot of people, but, but I promise you something big. And we announced this at our summit just a, a couple of weeks ago. So greatest salesman in the world, epic story. I mean, inc- the scrolls are incredible. An epic story about Hafid, about these 10 scrolls. The only thing that could bring the nations of, uh, of Judaism, Christianity, and Islam together in the book were these 10 scrolls. And it, it transcended those boundaries and was just an incredible message of success, but also peace and and uh, and connection and all these things. Well, this incredible story, as we announced a couple of weeks ago, is now officially underway to be created as a feature film. That's awesome. Oh, that is great. At the summit, we we were presented with a half a million dollars as seed money for the pre-production of the greatest salesman in the world with our now incredible financial partner, Alan Krutzkamp, just an amazing real estate developer and a coach himself who has been a massive Augmentino fan, stepped in. And, and finally, I mean, this is where this company started and now it's come full circle. It's time to make the movie. So that's one of the things that's new with, with the Augmentino group. That's uh, incredible. Group. That's great. Super excited about that. Probably two or three years out. Um, uh, actually, just a little insider information for the Journey to Success audience. Uh, April eighteenth, we're gonna have um, we're gonna have the producer in town to to meet with us, who just so happened to be the producer of Schindler's List, Jurassic Park, Twister, Academy Award winning. You know, it's someone that uh, you you kind of want to be involved with for creating a movie like this with uh, with Jerry, Jerry Mullen. So super excited for that. Uh, we're we're not trying to figure out how to get it done as quick as possible. We're trying to get it in, done in such a way that it will honor the legacy of this book and honor Og Mandino and, and his sweetheart, Betty Mandino, who sits on our board of directors. So um, very exciting news there. The other big one is the release of our new book, um, which has, has been a few years in the making, bringing it together. It's called Equanimity, Conquering Mount Entrepreneur. And and equanimity, if you define it, means even-mindedness. It's peace of mind. And Og actually talks about it in Scroll 9, where he talks about that only action will turn the lion of terror into an ant of equanimity and having peace of mind. And it's really interesting when you dive into it, because peace of mind doesn't mean necessarily life is peaceful. It doesn't mean your circumstances are peaceful, your relationships are peaceful. 
but your mind is peaceful. It allows you to find clarity and awareness to be more efficient, to be more precise, more disciplined, have deeper relationships. And equanimity is that place where you create passion, you create results, where you become more aware of your thought processes. It really brought everything all to a whole uh, together. And then we decided to present it similar to The Greatest Salesman in the form of a fable. Just like you have Hafid the Camel Boy, equanimity is about the climb to the summit of Mount Entrepreneur. You've got all these experiences that happen just in the parking lot of, of Mount oh, Entrepreneur. Wow. And then you have these guides that take you up the hill, that take you up the mountain with some interesting situations, some tricky, scary moments. But you're being taught through these experiences in the book. And it's been received even better than we could have imagined since we released it a couple of weeks ago. Um, so if you get a chance, if you're, if you're going to go take the assessment, amazing, please do. If you just oh, yeah. go augmentino.com forward slash climb, like climbing a mountain, climb augmentino.com uh, forward slash climb, you can get a copy of equanimity and dive into that book that we've just been blown away at the response so far. It, it's everything that we wanted to be able to display as a masterwork of what we've done with 80,000 entrepreneurs for the last 15 years. That's fantastic. That's I, I really want to see the movie. That, that's the other thing. Oh, yeah. Super excited for that. So, but other than that, just we're, we're honored to be able to carry on this name and this legacy and, and, and add to it in the 21st century with, with what we do. I'm, I'm honored to be here with, with you and Brad and, and what you guys represent and, and where you've decided to focus that just validates what we do and, and it's it's a pleasure to be among like-minded, really passionate individuals who who are doing this for the right reasons. So thank you. Oh, thank you, Paul. We appreciate it. That's great. So it looks like we're ready to close up. Uh, am I right, Chuck? Yeah, absolutely. You want to shut the door, Brad? Yes. Uh, I want to thank you once again. Uh, if you want to get into Augmentino's work and some of the things that Paul talked about today, go to www.augmentino.com. And uh, if you want to get the, the book, um, you have the forward slash climb at the end of that. Uh, it's been an honor to have you on today, Paul. Uh, anything you want to say as we close up? That's it. I really appreciate the time. If any of you listening to this show would like to connect with me personally, if there was anything that resonated, anything you want to talk about further or, or connect on, you can email me at paulblanchardoffice at livepassiondriven.com. And that's paulblanchardoffice at livepassiondriven.com. That's my email. And uh, if there's anyone out there that, that wants to take things a little bit further or, or chat about anything you want more clarification on, uh, if there's anything we want to be, it's, it's accessible. We're not an ivory tower type of organization. So thank you. Thank you so much, Paul. This has been Chuck Molina and me, Brad Zalas. I want to thank everybody for listening into Journeys to Success today, and we'll catch you on the next interview. Thank you, and take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of Journey to Success Radio. If you or anyone you know would like to be interviewed for the show, email Tom at TomTooTall.com for details.